when you wake up in your reality, it's when you become the observer of it. Not just going through the motions and playing a part and, you know, having to do this, that. That's all cool. Like, the universe created this experience, this body, this vehicle for us to experience all these things. But who you are as an observer is the voice that you have to tap into in a meditation while you're playing a sport, while you're in a flow state. Hello there and welcome to Waking Youth, a podcast that reminds us both to keep questioning reality and live up to our full creative potential. My name is Carlota Getsch, I'm the creator and host of this project, and today I'll be chatting with Emilio Ortiz, a fourth-year BBA student at a university in Spain. After a breakdown at the age of 21, or should I say, a spiritual awakening, Emilio left behind a life of partying, alcohol, and girls to co-found Energy Moto. In this episode, we'll explore some of the tools that helped Emilio and I shift our consciousness and commit to creating a world and a life of light and love. Let's dive in. Hi, Emilio, and welcome to the Waking Youth Podcast. Uh, my first question is how did you end up here? What was the moment in your life that you perhaps realized you were sleepwalking through your waking state? My story, it's, I mean, if I were to tell you how I got to this point right now where we're podcasting together, I probably would not have been here if I didn't do the inner work that I had to do and do the things that I had to do <clears throat> to heal myself. Because when I, I've, I've had a childhood where I moved around a lot. So I was moving around through the U.S. I lived in California for a couple of years. And then due to my dad's work, we ended up in Colombia for a couple of years. And my life has always been adapt, adapt, adapt. You know, like you constantly change. You have to move to one language to another. So you obviously you change from different personas. You have to be malleable. You have to be flexible that also has its downsides because you lose part of your essence trying to adapt to the herd, everyone else. So when I did get to Colombia, it was a radical shift for me because throughout my whole life, I had been speaking in English, you know, hanging out with, with American people, American culture, eating the standard American diet, which we'll, we'll talk about probably later. Um, and it was a completely radical shift. So I got to Col Colombia and basically it was a culture shock. I was very scared because it was so new to me. I didn't know anyone. Um, the school that I went into, um, people already had their groups formed, you know, their cliques already established because they, they had been knowing each other since they were six years old. So I get there, I'm 16, um, at the height of where you, you like, want to start going out more and exploring with, you know, different things like alcohol or whatever it is at that point, and you want to be rebellious. So I was at a point where I wanted to rebel because I was, in a way, resentful with my father for making me move, 
because I had my life. I knew what I wanted to do in parentheses, like in quotes. My life was just basketball, going to the beach. I wanted to play uh, basketball in college. I had a couple of scouts that were looking at me to not, I mean, not go to division one, of course, but I wanted to play in college. So we just had to move. And I had, I was just like shocked because I didn't know what Colombia was like. Of course, I had visited uh, in my early days and we always visited the family and all this because my family's from there. But it was a complete new thing to say, okay, now we're going to live here. When we first got there, I remember the first day walking in to the, to the school. Uh, of course, I had an amazing guy that was a student in my, in my grade who was guiding me um, here to the classes, uh, introducing me to people. But it was a level of, like, I felt that I was on a stage because when you're, when you're new to such a small school, like there were only, I would say, 100, 120 people in my grade and everyone knew each other from the front to the back. So when I get there, it's like everyone's looking at you like, who's this kid? Uh, you feel like, wow, there's a tremendous amount of energy like on me right now. And I, I was like, I'm a person that picks up on energy very quickly. So what do you mean by that? That that tremendous amount of energy in you. <laughs> so when people place their their attention on you, like where attention goes is where your energy goes. So, for example, I was walking into the amphitheater where everyone hangs out in, in lunchtime. And it's an it's literally an amphitheater, which is like a, a round place with high steps and the whole school, the whole high school was sitting there. And then when I was just walking up the stairs to go there, I, would, I just felt a tremendous shock. I'm like, wow, like, why do I feel like everyone's looking at me? And, and it never was like that in California because we, I was in a public school. We were, I think like 3000 people in the school or more. And it was, it was interesting because no one really cared about like what you did. So in California, everyone's like in their own flow. You were not trying to fit in. Exactly. Everyone's in their own state of being. Everyone's just chilling, like all mm -hmm. this. But in Colombia, it's a bit different because you do have this social constraints, these social pressures. A lot of people, like they, they create these expectations around this group or that group or this person. There's, of course, it's a smaller school, so there's more... There's more drama, I would say, more, uh, they call it chismes, which is like gossip in a way. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. So let me ask you a question. When you moved, do you mm -hmm. remember having that awareness of thinking they are wrong, right? And I'm going to try to fit in because I have to fit in because I want to be part of something. Or did you think that you were wrong? And that you had to change something in you. Do you have that uh, any idea? That's a good question. And I could tell you that the first time I probably thought about it was the way that I dressed. Because, of course, coming from California, I was used to dressing, you know, with an extra large shirt. I had, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I had socks up to my knees, basically. Like, I just dressed like a California dude. And... People there were much more formal, like they would go out to parties and they had uh, the button up shirt and, you know, the fancy Ferragamo belt. And I'm like, okay, like this is a new <laughs> thing for me. Um, I remember telling my dad, I told him once, 
uh, I need to change my wardrobe. I need to change the way I dress. Like no one here um, dresses like me. And it wasn't because, you know, like I'm, I'm saying they're wrong or I'm right about the way I dress. It's just like culturally, that's how they dress. So culturally, if you want to fit in, and that's what I wanted to do, I wanted to have a smooth transition. I said, okay, then I have to kind of start changing the way I dress. Um, my Spanish was not very polished, so I had to work on that. So I, I was always like, before, let's say before going out, I would do uh, like exercises with my tongue, Whoa. you know, because, because my, my Spanish was so rusty that I would get caught up in like saying a sentence, but I wouldn't know exactly what word would come after. And yeah, yeah I'm in that process now with Spanish. <laughs> it, it happens. So, so that I had to start changing about myself. So mm -hmm. in, in a sense, my identity had to shift. I had to shift the way I presented myself. I have to shift the way that I acted. And in a way, it was a good thing because I, I really got back to my roots, mm. which is the Colombian culture, the Spanish, Latin America. And I love it. Like, I love the country. It's probably like my, the best decision that my dad made was to bring my family there. Because, of course, it's a much more rich culture I would say and and I'm curious to understand how you felt when you then moved to IE did you feel like you went through the same process of fitting in or it was different when I when I was moving into IE I would even say before that just to answer your initial question mm -hmm. so I was in that process of fitting in and in fitting in you fall into okay now I have to start drinking there's a popular group in my in my grade so I, I want to get in there um what who do I have to be in order to get in there or who do I have who do I have to associate myself with like what is right what is wrong what can I say what can I do and I did lose an, a big amount of essence mm. for myself as you were speaking I was going back to what you the the idea of stage that you introduced right it's almost like you're playing a role yeah, you're in a movie. I mean, we're all in a movie. <laughs> we're all like in this, it's our own cinematic universe where we have to be the, the lead character of our, of our story. And you can either play that part for others or play it for yourself and move on and really find who you are in the core. Like mm. in Colombia and at the beginning of the IE, I was, I was, connecting to myself, my, my, my persona in a way that was for others. So, and that happens to a lot of us. We, we lose ourselves in order to satisfy another person, in order to satisfy the group. Because if you move a little further from that, then you're gonna get ostracized and you're gonna get criticized, you're gonna get judged, we think. So when I got to IE, it was just such a new, like, experience because you you not only meet people from the same place you meet people from all walks of life you meet people from <laughs> uganda egypt cuba i was like every anything so and i was also trying to adapt at that point i'm like okay now now this is a new clean slate who do i have to be now what role am i playing now and it was back to that that um ability of mine to adapt really quickly 
So I'm like, okay, now I need to adapt to a new environment, to a new Emilio, a new identity. So I, I still try to keep that identity that I had in Colombia because now I identified with that. Before, when people ask me, what are you from? Like, who are you? I said, I'm from California, play basketball, and that that's it. Now it was like, no, I'm I'm Colombian. <laughs> I'm from Colombia, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm from Colombia. I'm from Colombia. And and basically that's why you have to you have to adapt. So Were you playing basketball then? Yeah, I, I still play. I still okay. play. That that's a part of me that it's it's not only part of my essence, it's just part of how I deal with stress and in life in general it's like when I pick up a basketball it's like forget everything else like fuck everything else it's you're 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 there you're present you're playing and it's your meditation I would say so it's it is it mm -hmm. is um and I'm interested in that Emilio back then right that maybe we never get rid of that um of all these other versions of ourselves but what I think at least in my case right I do recall having that awareness that I, I shifted somehow I was being another version of myself right a more conscious version of myself but before that I thought I was conscious <laughs> so when I was going out um, I thought I was consciously going out right mm -hmm. um, and so I'm interested in in that right because I mm -hmm. do think mm -hmm. that even now right looking back um, 10 years from now looking back we'll probably say oh I thought I was so woke <laughs> Right, and then I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> right, so I'm interested in understanding at that point in time, what was the inner, your inner talk, right? What were your rewards? How did you feel um, good about yourself? And then the moment that everything changed. Damn, it was so toxic. It was very toxic because... But did it feel toxic when, while you were doing it? Of course, of okay. course, we always we always feel like if, if you're going out three times a week and you're sleeping four to five hours and you're just not taking care of yourself, you do feel toxic. But in a way, since partying and all that is adrenaline, you latch onto that adrenaline and you just go. And it's like, okay, another night, let's get it. Like, <laughs> have to down another 10 shots of vodka to, to stay awake, let's do it. And in a way, that's, that's unconscious because we were just going, I was just going through the motions. I was just going, okay, another party I'm getting invited to, okay, I have to go. Um, and, and that's another aspect that we don't really talk about. And it's the aspect of, of missing out, the FOMO, you know? And I got mm -hmm. that a lot. Like it was so much anxiety if I didn't go out because when you first get to IE, it was like, I wanted to form my, my, my friends, my group. I didn't know absolutely anyone um, just as all of us, like going into a new environment. So if, if it's like you didn't go out one night, then you're missing out on this group or this group is not going to accept you and they're not going to validate you because you're not, you're not going out with them. You're not paying a, a table. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. So we basically fall into that trap where it's like, I have to please others around me um, in order for, for myself to be all right and safe because we're all looking for safety. We're all looking for love. That's literally 
to the core of any human soul, every human being, it's we're looking for, for safety and love. We want to feel accepted by, by others. So we can do that in unhealthy ways and we can do that in healthy ways. The real transition for me was when I, when I fell very sick health-wise, physically, and also my grades and all that started to dramatically drop because I couldn't keep up with the classes because I was too busy keeping up with the, the partying aspect of college. And I'm not saying that the partying is bad. Like we all, we all love to go out. We all love to be around people. We love to, you know, just like let go of ourselves in, in, in different ways. But there is healthy ways and unhealthy ways. Just, as I said, it's a balance. I felt very sick towards the end of my first year at IE. And my mom actually had to come all the way from Colombia to to the to Madrid to take care of me like give I was on antibiotics for like three weeks it was something insane that I would never do now but I was so like broken physically mentally emotionally and all I could think about was when's the next you know when's the next hit who's gonna be the next girl that I hook up with who's gonna be you know then it's it's just such a toxic environment and I've learned to live with it. I've learned to not judge it because we, we have to look back at our experiences and say that had to happen in order for me to be here. It had to happen because it's, I believe in divine timing when the universe aligns things for you and gives you and presents to you the experiences, the people, the things that you need in order for your consciousness to evolve in the best way possible. So I needed that. And if I didn't uh, have my mom, if I didn't have the discipline that I constructed through my basketball years, then I would have probably still have been at that point in my life. And it was a phase, right? So I, I remember I started to wake up a bit, you know, because my mom is a very spiritual person. Uh, she does Kundalini yoga. She does sound healing. She, she's into all, this th all these things. And when she came to visit me when I was very sick the first year, I, I was very vulnerable with her. And I told her, can you please teach me how to meditate? Why did I ask her? Because I knew that I started seeing my grades drop. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to pass this class, that class, and this class. There's just no way I'm going to pass. And, and the stress, anxiety starts to kick in. So you're like, okay, I need to deal with this. And I had a moment where I, I just had to ask myself, like, who, who am I being right now that I don't want to be? And I just had to really dig deep into my essence and say, okay, you've always been this person who's driven, who's disciplined, who wants the best, who is competitive, who really wants to be the best at their craft or whatever. But you're only being the best right now at going out. You're the best. You're the best guy right now in getting tables. You're, like, I felt good that I could walk into one of the one of the nightclubs called Gavana. I felt good that <laughs> I can get there, and the bouncer knew me and got me just mm -hmm. in. I was like, wow, like that's an ego boost, you know? I was like, I felt good. But then I had to ask myself, okay, I'm the best at that, <laughs> but I don't want to be the best at that. I want to be the best at something else. I know I'm meant to do bigger things. 
and and that's of course it goes back to the the mindset that you, that you that you built from an early age my dad is a very driven person i really admire him like he he had a very difficult childhood and he was able to get out of that and wow now he's thriving and he's just the most intelligent person i know so having that as inspiration having my mom's inspiration i'm like okay and actually i want to highlight one story that it was it was really the transition for me so spring break of the first year um i went to barcelona with some friends um and i was traveling also in in mallorca in in spain and during that trip like i was just feeling like low on self-worth just because i don't know i was just feeling low i was going through like that time so I went on Instagram and I started looking through my pictures on my camera roll and it was just that I need a hit like I need a dopamine hit and I looked at my photos and I had one photo with my friend and I was holding up a 1 liter Grey Goose bottle in my hand I was like oh that's a dope picture like this would get a lot of likes people would like really fuck with this I posted it I don't think I even put a caption. It was just like, "Oh, here it is. Here I am with a one liter Grey Goose bottle. I'm the the shit, you know." And a couple hours later, I get a huge message from both my mom and my dad. And my mom at that point she didn't even have an Instagram. My dad does not go on social media. I think someone sent them the picture and we're like, "We well, are Emilio's a bit lost right now." <laughs> <laughs> and they they um <laughs> in that message basically it was a wake up call because of course your parents mm. they send you on this experience to educate yourself and you know to find yourself but mm -hmm. if they see a picture like that and they're like oh he, he's kind of losing himself he's not he's not going towards the path that we want him to and the path that he's capable of <laughs> So I took down the picture um I was like wow like yeah I I realized like what am I doing what am I doing um my dad also there were there were of course consequences my monthly budget was cut and all this and all that no more one liter great great no more of that no more <laughs> of that shit good thing um but that was a moment there it was a wake up for me because i really like when my dad and and my mom speak to me it's i really listen because i know mm -hmm. that they know me you know they know the potential our parents know the potential of mm -hmm. all of us i mean they they know that they're giving us these opportunities they've mm -hmm. already lived so much and they know that if this person takes action and really brings in those experiences and does the best with them they could fly. So that's that's what they highlighted to me really. That's what they were saying uh in that message that they sent. And as soon as I took the picture down, I started doing some some searching within myself. That was a bit after my mom already had um taught me how to meditate, so I made it a practice. Like I made it literally without fail every day I was going to do 15 minutes of mantra meditation. It's incredible how meditation has this power mm -hmm. to reveal a code of clarity into your life. It's like 
you're 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 taking the curtains away and you start seeing things much more clearly and you start seeing things in a different way uh that's really what happened to me so when i when i was meditating mm-hmm. i started to be kinder with others i started to be much more in tune with my internal world my internal voice because we all have a voice 24/7 speaking to us and if that voice is toxic if that voice is self-judging you if that voice is telling you this is where you're going to get your validation from from the outside then it's a feedback loop where you're going to you're going to i first of all identify mm-hmm. with that voice and we can call that our ego but in meditation and it's something that very few people can understand and very and it's very difficult to put into words but you connect with a source of yourself that is not your ego and before we did this podcast um Carlota and I we filmed i mean we did a a meditation together and it was connecting with that higher self so as soon as you connect with that i'm still feeling it i'm still feeling my roots exactly <laughs> my connection yeah yeah we're all connected we're all connected and and that's that's another topic they're, they're even explaining this through quantum physics mm-hmm. we're all connected everything that you do affects the future the past the present it's all connected mm-hmm. and before we continue to talk talking about how we're all interconnected yeah. <laughs> um i wanted to highlight what you said well first of all um express my um happiness uh, listening to your story it's beautiful to listen to that uh, awakening yeah. period uh, in your life um and i want to pick up on some things that you said you brought up the movies um the show the tv show that is running outside the, right the in matrix. the external world yeah. the matrix exactly you talk about meditation you talked a little bit about the role of the parent right and 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 that essence and the ego and the the contrast between the essence and the ego right and i couldn't agree more with you right and it's beautiful to listen to your journey of moving around and how that in a way made you realize the movie right because for example i spent most of my life in the same city yeah. right so i only had that moment of stepping out my bubble when i went to ie but you had that before and in a way uh, well you you had to fit in so you had you had that process but in other ways it i think it made you realize that indeed it is a movie right mm-hmm. and there's roles we can play and then i want to talk about um meditation and it's exactly what you're saying i feel like meditation allows you to connect to that center to that essence within you that you cannot explain with words and just understand that a movie is playing right mm-hmm. and you don't it's what you say you don't identify with the movie you don't identify with the character that you created to fit in in that reality right and and what i want to reinforce is that uh, you know like i do have that structure in my life the parents the friends who remind me when sometimes i'm deviating a little bit hey this is who you are right but mm-hmm. who we are is so so uh 
relative yeah right and i think that at the end of the day only we know because only we can connect to that essence and to that center right because even my parents right if they would give me some wake-up calls um it wouldn't work because i would have to go through my experience so the only thing we can do is just hey uh aren't you sleepwalking through your waking state and uh-huh. then have that so just to reinforce this how it has to come from you and from your willpower the importance of mentors really but then ultimately it was your decision Emilio, mm-hmm. you to like no fuck this like i'm gonna start living my life and creating my life right mm-hmm. um so why don't you tell me you, t- you talked a little bit about meditation uh well i i'm assuming in, you're not partying uh every day now <laughs> no <laughs> or every week yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but what what uh are the key uh what were the key habits and still are maybe you change them that help you live in align in alignment with your center yeah. i fucking love this topic i love habits um <laughs> because habits are our life basically like we run on habits our conscious mind outsources different tasks in order for us not to have to think so much so in the morning if the first thing you do is go on your phone that's already habit Mm -hmm. and it's something that you unconsciously do because you have already trained yourself okay our mind basically it wants to retain energy our brain our brain wants to retain energy so the less decisions it has to make during the day, the better it can run, the more efficient it can run. So if you're making decision, 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 then by the end of the day, you are drained. That's why Mark Zuckerberg, all these Steve Jobs, for example, they wear the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. And they don't face so much decision fatigue because Mm -hmm. as soon as they wake up... Decision fatigue. Exactly. That's (laughs) That's a great term. uh Exactly. That's that's what happens. If if you make 10 decisions before you get out of bed, then the rest of your day, you're going to be facing less quality decisions as the day goes by. So the more you can outsource those decisions, like, okay, I already know what I'm going to do in the morning. It can be anything. So we already do it. We already know it. Like we already have our routine. Mm -hmm. The reason why I was so interested in habits is because I started studying people that are high performers. Their their morning routines and their night routines are the most sacred spaces of their life. Because that's the moment, first of all, where you prepare yourself for the day. You set an intention. You connect with your essence. And you do whatever it takes to make your energy levels high because we are energetic beings. If we're, if we are in low energy, we're in a lower vibration and we start attracting things from that. And we start creating and manifesting from that state of being. If we can raise our vibration through different habits that are healthy for us, that energizes, that make us feel empowered, mm-hmm. the whole structure of your day shifts so i notice the difference when i don't meditate in the morning than if i do so what is your your routine you wake up (laughs) one of one of the most powerful things that i've known uh that i've started doing in my in my routine since second year of university and without fail every day 
is make your fucking bed. Like just, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to look extremely intricate. Like, okay, the, this pillow in a 90 degree angle. No, just make the covers, put the pillows where they look sort of organized and make space five to 10 minutes to declutter your outer environment. Because I've noticed that a lot of the times the outer environment can reflect into your internal state of being. So if my room is very messy, uh, if I, I remember in my residence in, in the first year, I had what I would call the Pyramid of Giza, which was my clothes stacked up on my chair, <laughs> huge pile. It was like going to reach the ceiling at some point. I didn't mm-hmm. wash clothes. It was just a huge pile. And then that reflects, that's symbolic of baggage, shit that you need to let go. So if you can make room for cleaning up and decluttering your space in the morning, mm-hmm. then the rest of the, your day, you're going to feel much more decluttered internally, mindfully. The second thing I, I would say, which it's going to be hard for people to implement at first, but trust me, the benefits are insane, is when you're taking a shower, finish that shower with a freezing cold bath. Like just just turn the, the knob of your shower to the coldest it can get. Stay there for 20 seconds if you can, and then you build up gradually. The skin benefits are incredible the hair benefits, the energy benefits, you feel like extremely energized. Like you, you get out of that shower and you're like, okay, I'm awake. Let's take on the day. The third is you have to make your hydration the most important thing in the morning because you lose a lot of electrolytes and minerals while you're sleeping and in, in your morning pee, you know, like you lose a lot of that. You detox. But then when you, when you take the time to rehydrate and give yourself, um, I, I put a, a lot of things in my morning water. So I'll put uh, mineral, mineralized salt, so Himalayan crystal salt, apple cider vinegar, and lemon, and sometimes uh, curcumin or turmeric uh, in a powdered form. What it does, first of all, all these ingredients that I'm putting in my water, they're disinflammatory. They're helping my digestion. So during the day, I don't have like, I don't feel this digestion, my stomach is upset or whatever from the night before. You're helping your body. You're giving yourself that body, uh, your body what it needs to function optimally. So all of these things will start adding up for you to become an optimized version of you from the very start of your day. And I'm not saying wake up at a certain time, do this every day, because we have to also be in touch with our body. If, if we know that, okay, we, we slept late, prioritize your sleep. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. I was going to mention one more habit, one more habit that is non-negotiable. It's self-reflection in the morning if whether it's through journaling whether and there's many techniques with journaling you can take it anywhere you want all you need is a pen and a paper and just write you can either have certain prompts that you that you decide beforehand like what do i want this day to be like and then you write 
um, what am I grateful for? And you write, or you can do free writing, which is you just put your pen and paper normally after meditation and you just write whatever comes to your mind and you'll, you'll realize a lot of things from yourself that you probably were not aware of just by putting it on paper. Mm -hmm. Subscribe to that. <laughs> I was going to say before, well, I, I thought of this right in the first mm -hmm. <laughs> tip uh, suggestion for a morning routine. I was reconnecting to that stage in my college years uh, where I was not, I was just uh, letting life happen to me. And even when I was just letting life happen to me, I still had a routine, right? So I still made my bed, I still studied, right? But I wasn't just conscious to what extent we can create mm -hmm. our realities. But I was thinking, because this is something that I'm trying to remind myself a lot, right? You need, if you want to achieve these things, if you want to be this person, you have to go there. You have to be there already. You have to elevate yourself to be mm -hmm. that that you already are inside of you if you connect to that, right? And at the end of the day, um, implementing a morning routine with a lot of the things, well, if you feel like it is for you with some of the things that you suggested, right? At the end of the day is really telling the universe mm -hmm. or whatever you believe yeah. that you're showing up, right? I'm ready. I have, I am making, uh, I'm cleaning my room and you're sending that message. Mm -hmm. And so it's much more likely that that will happen, right? Um, because I do remember, for example, even before I started the podcast, right? Ah, I want to start a podcast, right? And then I was frustrated because the podcast was not happening. And now looking back, it's like, how could I ever create something if I don't allow myself Um, if I don't mm -hmm. put my life together for me to be that person that creates a podcast, right? And journaling at the end of the day, right? It is that, is you being intentional and the meditation. And this is something that I can't reinforce because I remember I was so mm -hmm. like, I heard the word meditation and I was curious to understand more. And I was like, oh, I yeah. really don't feel like spending 10 minutes just like, and then thoughts coming, right? Um, but only after doing some of the things that you also mentioned of the uh, cold water, right? A lot of breathing exercises, even through dancing and sports, I started to understand what that presence meant, right? And now that I'm having all of these projects happening, I truly feel like I would not be able to elevate myself to those roles that I, I want to uh, adopt in my life without the morning routine and without the meditation at the end of the day, where it is me connecting to my intention, right? Um, and then every day actively reminding yourself, who am I and who do I want to be, right? Yeah. Um, Because we're constantly creating. We are always creating our reality either from an unconscious place. Um, we are, we're always sending out messages to the universe of what we want the universe to reflect back to us. And it mm -hmm. all starts really with your state of being, as you've said. And we have to start tapping into the power of our mind because our mind and our body and our soul are all interconnected. And 
we can really dictate where we want to take our life based on how we connect to that source. And if we're connecting to that source from a place of lack, from a place of, oh, I, I don't have this right now. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not having the grades that I want right now. I'll never get an internship. I'll never get that job that I want and whatever. We're already sending a message out to the universe to reflect that reality back to us. The universe will reflect back to you what you truly believe and what you feel with a passion for. So connecting with a state of being that allows you to attract from a place of abundance. That's why all these people, um, they visualize and they visualize themselves already having what they, they want Mm -hmm. because the, the, the mind, like when you're saying something, you are already sending out a message to the universe, but when you feel and that goes to something that we've been talking about also with the masculine and the feminine. Your feminine, and we all have a feminine side. The feminine side is the emotion, is the feeling. So if you're able to connect with the feeling of what you want to attract, like how will you feel when you, or not when you have it, but how do you feel having that already? Mm-hmm. How do you feel having the the internship of your dreams? How do you feel having the podcast where you're able to interview the most amazing people? How do you feel getting the best grade in that class? The, the, The feeling is a magnetic force that attracts that experience to you. So when you're doing these visualizations and you're connecting and you're journaling about, this is how I want my life to look like, and it all comes down to planning as well. <laughs> That's what my dad gets onto me about sometimes. Like, you need to plan more. And it's right. Like, he's right to a certain extent. We can also over plan, which is not good because then you attach yourself to a result. But you have to know towards where you're going. Like, put yourself a North Star and start walking in that direction. And it's much easier to block out the other things when you know where you're walking towards because you already set that path and you, you decided you're determined you're, you're already making the steps to go in that direction. Intention and clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, as you were speaking, I'm happy that you brought up the, um, the planning part. Mm-hmm. I believe I shared this already in an episode, but I'll share it again. <laughs> I mm-hmm. did a couple of months ago, a course, uh, I, I, I watched a, a webinar Um, It wasn't really a course that was exploring this, um, Mm -hmm. the to-do lists and feeling and all of these issues, topics that we're talking about. And this woman was sharing her journey, right? So it was the beginning of the year and uh, she is in the world of personal development. That's what she does professionally. Um, And as she was writing her goals, right, her uh, goals list for the neg- for the year to come she started feeling really stressed she was telling um and and then she was very um curious and she started exploring why right and and tried to find a way for her to create these intentions but in a way that she would feel inspired and not desperate right because the idea of 
wanting these things and not having them, like you're saying, was emanating scarce, scarcity and, and not abundance, right? And then she, she told us that she created this exercise. She reframed and instead of goals list, she created a words list, feelings list. She chose three words, uh, three feelings that she wanted to feel throughout that year. And then let's let's give the example of inspire, grateful, and abundant. And then from those three words, and like you were saying, really connecting to that feeling, right? What does it feel for one to be inspired? What does it feel to be grateful? What, what does it feel like for me to be abundant? And from that place, then think about what kinds of things do you want to manifest in that year, right? And so when you're planning even your day, you will think, well, this person invited me to go for coffee. Well, if I go for coffee with this person, will I feel inspired, grateful, and abundant? And it's not to say that then you just start rejecting people. That's not the point of the story, but it's just connecting to that feeling is the way to start manifesting because... If you think of the things that you want to achieve, and if you see that achieved already, but you're lacking, right, you, you're oblivious to that, what feels like inside of you, then you'll feel like you lack. But if you find the space within you for this creativity to already create those feelings, that's how you actually even know what kinds of things to do after to continue to feel like that, right? And so it is so powerful. This weekend, for example, I'm... I did this course um, and we were doing a lot of these exercises, right? And, and she, this was more uh, um, a lot of breathing, right? A lot of jumping a little bit um, and really imagining and tuning with that version of ourselves that feels good, that feels most empowered, right? And, and really connecting to that is so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's also, it, I did that exercise um, as well. And for people that are just beginning, it, it might seem difficult to start visualizing yourself in a certain state. Like, and if you choose these words or these states of being, they're not just words. Like feeling confident is a state of being. Mm -hmm. So let's say you choose confidence because this was one of the words that I chose. And when I started, when I started going within and saying, okay, how does it feel to be confident? going back to moments of your life where you felt that way helps tremendously. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would go back into a moment, like for example, there was a, a moment in a basketball game when I hit three free throws in a row and we won the game. And I just remember feeling so confident, so empowered. And then you start going back to that moment, reminiscing about it. All of a sudden your state of being changes completely. Let's say one of the words I choose is being more grateful. Going back to moments in your life where you felt the most grateful, mm -hmm. you're already creating that state of being within yourself. And then you operate off that after, even after your meditation. And mm -hmm. you train yourself to get into that state basically at will. Like, oh, I'm grateful. Boom. Yes. I'm confident. Mm -hmm. Yes. Let, let's say I'm walking into a new like social environment where I don't know anyone, I can say to myself, I'm confident. And I already know what that feels like. I already have trained myself to feel confident. So boom. And it's just practice. You have to tap into it repetitively. And 
also, if you choose a lot of states of being, like you can be all over the place. That's why what you just said is so important. Choose, start with three. Start with three states of being that you want to embody in your life. Embody more of as well. And question. Let's do it. This is all very beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and we're connecting to the feeling and manifesting. Uh -huh. <laughs> But what about those days that you're just like, fuck, <laughs> I don't feel like going out of bed. <laughs> I don't feel like recording another episode. Mm -hmm. Or you're like feeling insecure, like, I'm not ready to do this. I'm just nervous. Um, what do you do then, right? That all goes uh, back. Is my question. That all goes back to what we've been saying before. And it all starts with habit and discipline. Because when we start off with a project, like what we're doing, a podcast, or we start off with another project, our passion is what fuels that. Like at first, like your passion is like, oh, like I want to put all my energy into this. I'm super motivated. And then you go through a dip. And it's inevitable because we all operate on cycles. So if you go through a dip and you don't want to record an episode or you don't want to um, call this person that you have to deal with, it all comes down to what habits have you implemented and what, what discipline, what amount of discipline have you, have you said to yourself? For example, I've, I've um, and, and it's also going to sound very self-demanding because okay. we also demand these things of ourselves that create a lot of anxiety, stress, and expectations for ourselves. But for example, just with my podcast or your podcast, you probably committed yourself to producing an episode every so ever, every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And it's that commitment and that discipline and that habit that you already implemented that carries you through it. But if you want to get the best out of yourself, connecting, connecting with that why, I don't know, like Simon Sinek, the books start with why. If you have a powerful enough reason for being, reason for doing this, then mm -hmm. it's going to help you in those tough times to get, get through it easier. Mm -hmm. I want to highlight that again mm -hmm. uh, i mean the why is such yeah. a big part of my life yeah. you know i the, i don't know when was the first time i listened to that to that um concept of the golden circle the why the how and the what the mm -hmm. um i think it was in my branding class if i'm not in error and that's actually an exercise i include Uh, in a branding strategy so every time that I'm sitting down to create a branding strategy I start with the why right and inevitably I take that into my life like you were saying and well I wanted to bring like talk a, a little bit about this idea of passion right um explore this and explore the why um because <laughs> Well, I do feel like I'm excited about certain things more than others. And I've always felt this, right? And, and like you, I, I, I know the kinds of things that get me animated. Um, but what I'm not concerned, but what I'm thinking is that some people that might be listening to this might listen, ah, passion. And they're like, oh, fuck, I don't have a passion, right? So mm -hmm. what do I do now? Mm -hmm. How do I find my purpose without a passion, right? And a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to this podcast um with elizabeth gilbert exactly and eat pray love 
exactly okay. she is the writer of it pray love mm -hmm. um i'm actually gonna do a course on saturday oh, so i'm wow. super excited yeah nice nice <laughs> Um, and she was saying, she was telling this story that she gave a lot of talks on passion, right? And then she got an email for one of her, one of her fans. And she was like, Elizabeth, <laughs> I, don't, I don't connect with what you're saying when you're talking to me about passion because I do not have a passion, right? And then she was kind of um, soul searching, right? And, and in that case of that woman, she was, woman, she was explaining that even though she didn't have that one thing that she was super excited about and that she would um, prioritize over, over anything else, um, like Elizabeth, but Elizabeth Gilbert put writing, right? Um, she had a bunch of things, right? So it was not one thing, but it was like all of these things. And it was not because of that, that she was not a great person, right? And a great creator. And so Elizabeth introduced this idea of curiosity. And this is something I recognize so I, I, I recognize so much in my life because yes, I can say that I was excited about writing for most of my life, but mostly is what gets me curious, right? And so many things get so many different things get me curious. And this and this is I think a game changer because well, I was curious not only always about about writing, right? But also at some point in my life about podcasting right mm -hmm. or feminism or spirituality and if you follow your curiosity maybe that will lead to a passion mm -hmm. right and so i just wanted to to add this and then the other thing uh i completely forgot <laughs> but we were talking what were we talking about Emilia? No, and just, just highlighting what you said i mean there there is no passion without curiosity and that's mm -hmm. something that I had to tap into. And what I mean by tap into, it's when we're children, when we're young, everything around us is a curiosity. Everything, mm -hmm. everything. And as we grow up older and we start our schooling, that curiosity gets drilled out of us. And it's a sad thing, but it does. So we get to college and we can only think about the classes that we're taking. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of how my life was in, in, the, in the first semester of university was I, it was in between classes and, and partying. And I took one book with me from my house when I moved out to go to college and I didn't pick it up until six months after like I had it sitting there and then when I started researching what do these high performers do as I mentioned before one of their key habits is reading knowledge learning that's something that they're doing to empower themselves to get inspiration to get mm -hmm. ideas to create more empathy because when you read someone else's work you connect with how they're thinking their state of mind so i s picked up this book i started reading it the book was seven habits of highly effective people there's something about me that's always been interested with being effective habits all that performing um and i read the book i really enjoyed it like i put it down i read it in like a week and i was like wow i really love reading i love 
mm. learning something new. I love that feeling for me of learning something for the first time is the best feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. When you're just in there in awe, like, really? Like, you went through this experience? Like, does, is that really how gravity works? I don't know. I'm just giving examples. But that that's pure curiosity, it's right? It's pure curiosity. And we all have that. That's why one of my greatest strengths when you take the, the via character test or whatever is curiosity and love for learning. But I say that's not only my strength. We all have that. It's mm-hmm. to what extent can you use it in your life? And it's not only through reading, because I developed this curiosity for reading. Uh, I make the time to read. I know a lot of people don't have the time. I made it a habit as well. But even just learning things and putting yourself in the perspective of that childlike essence of Yes. I'm learning for the <laughs> that first time. That was actually time. my last question. <laughs> I'm learning for the first time. Like, and we, we forget that we're still young. I think m- most of us are in our 20s. So we're mm-hmm. still children in a way. Like, we think we're adults, but we're still learning. Oh, I think we're so all much. children eternally. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I look at someone, for example, someone like David Attenborough, who, who made the documentary Our Life, um, a life on our planet, which mm-hmm. I recommend everyone to see. He he has this essence of childlike searching, exploring, looking for new things. That's what we all have. That's a potential that needs to be unleashed. And mm-hmm. as soon as you start asking yourself more questions, because the questions is the pre- um, phase of a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you develop this question and you're like, okay, I'm a bit curious about this. And you start going down that rabbit hole. Like for me, I started going down millions of rabbit holes on YouTube, looking at into conspiracy theory, <laughs> how the universe works, what is dark matter, what is, you know, the quantum state, what is all this? Sh- like, damn, like my yeah. mind races, but yeah. I, I learned that through that, through learning, you unleash another aspect of yourself that you would never think, and that's creativity. Because you equip yourself with all this knowledge, inspiration, ideas, mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, but how can I put them together? That's the next step. How do you take this idea and merge it with this one? How does this fit into that? Mm-hmm. And you start tapping into another aspect of you. Perfect. Now we are discussing how the universe universe works and what's the meaning of life. So this is where <laughs> I wanted to get. We can wrap up now. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. And in common to what you just said, um, I was thinking. I was thinking of connecting it back to the why, right? Mm-hmm. Because we we are talking about the importance of curiosity, this love for this childlike love for learning. Mm-hmm which is something that at the end of the day, when I started connecting with my why, and I think that when, when we start asking that, why, why are you doing that? Why are you going for that coffee? Why are you doing a podcast? Why are you writing this book? Right? Well, we can give it like some words, but ultimately is because we are creators in essence. We are that child that wants to understand how the world works so that we can create more. Right. Um, 
So I, I do think that the why is a wonderful tool for you to start soul searching, right? Because then if you understand the reasons why you're doing certain things and not others, that gives you that discipline, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the intention and the clarity. But ultimately, you know, I had this this wonderful seminar at IE mm-hmm. called, well, actually I went to two with the same, with the same professor, Francisco Mata. He was actually the first person I wanted to invite for this podcast. Yeah. I still want to bring him here. And, and one of the, the, the seminars was, was, was named questioning reality and the search for meaning. Um, and the conclusion of the class. So we were basically discussing different ways to make sense that different tribes, different, um, um, different, uh, different, different groups, different religions uh, made sense of reality. What were their, their mental framework, right? Yeah. Um, and in the last class, he, he told us what he thinks for him after doing a lot of research on this is the meaning of life, right? Yeah. So the meaning of life is, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think, it's 54. <laughs> I think it's the movie. Well, but he was, he, was, he was sharing that for him, the meaning of life, the meaning of humanity, the meaning of the universe, the purpose of all of this is for us to realize our own consciousness and to keep expanding it, right? And this, in fact, couldn't be more simple. Like, if we have this thing that is conscious, right? If we understand that we are the awareness, right? And if the awareness recognizes its power to keep creating, that's the way for us to keep creating and therefore keep expanding, right? And so in this huge universe that keeps creating, the purpose is to keep expanding, right? And then th- mm-hmm. this can even be thought in like the light and the darkness, right? If you want to manifest creating light, you'll create there. But if you also want to create in darkness, that is possible. Like we have a lot of people today that manif- that create right and they they create this toxic power right and this duality but we can choose like we this is very dangerous right because when you do understand that you have this willpower and i truly believe in willpower um but i think at the end of the day is realize that it's in your hands to create your reality right and realize that it just feels better to create a reality Mm -hmm. that's in light right so Mm -hmm. um I just wanted to share this. Yeah, we're at we're at a point in I think human history that, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna t- say this not too lightly, but we are at a moment where we can Ta-da-da. we can live through we can live through the self destruction of our civilization, and that's very dangerous, and that's something that we manifested because we were creating through that toxic separated state from nature. We separate ourselves and we don't realize our interconnectedness with the universe, the other ecosystems, the other species. We fucking destroyed everything as humans because we created this economic system. We created all these systems that don't fuel the harmony in consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I think your podcast is very powerful. And what we're trying to accomplish through our mediums is to create a movement of 
conscious, awakened light workers of our generation. Because I, when I first learned this term of light workers, I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. What, what is that? And it's. Where did you get that from? I'm curious. <laughs> I don't even know. I can't even remember. I just yeah. like, I think it was this um, psychotherapist, psychoanalyst called Dolores Cannon. And mm. uh, you know her? No. Okay, we have to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> later, later, later. No, I'm saying because, okay, later. Um, <laughs> but she, yeah, she says that right now, the, the planet Earth is, is in a moment where if we, we're in the decision of how are we going to heal the planet? Mm -hmm. And the planet, like nature, is, operates on its own. It doesn't care mm -hmm. about us. I mean, in a sense, you know, like it'll keep going. Mm -hmm. we we can be viewed as a virus on this planet if you if you mm -hmm. look back into human history yeah but it doesn't always have to be that way we can be in harmony with things we can be connected we can be um tapped into our internal technology instead of trying to build so many fucking external technologies wanting to go to another planet and i do think that humanity as a species in order for it to become a more advanced civilization we have to branch out and we have to explore the out the outside we have to explore but we have to leave our house clean like i said we have to make our bed here we have to declutter our, our environment here first before we start looking at other things and you know sending spaceships creating virtual realities and creating all mm -hmm. these technology first cultivate an internal technology mm -hmm. which is the energy, the tapping into whatever it is. <laughs> energy, in everyone. <laughs> and then realize that we all operate on a collective consciousness. So whether that collective consciousness is tipped toward the scale of separation, mm -hmm. unity, love, fear, division, interconnectedness, we all have that. Like you, you individually can be operating through love, But if the collective is operating through fear, if more people are operating mm -hmm. through fear, which is the case now, then we're going to create much more division and separation from, from the harmony of the, of the world, of the universe. Mm -hmm. So we're at a point where our generation has to step up. We can't, and for me, that, that was the higher purpose. Like you, we can't keep going on these superficial games of going out and all this, like, It's now. It's now. The scientists are the scientists are telling us 10 years before, you know, the climate is at a point where it's basically going to destroy thousands of acres and millions of acres of ecosystems and we're not going to be able to grow the same crops. We're not going to be able to do this. And I don't want to go down a pessimistic route. I view mm -hmm. myself as a very optimistic person. Mm -hmm. If we make that shift in consciousness, in the state of being and how we're operating, if we tap into love instead of fear, then we're going to be creating a whole new planet. We're going to be creating it from a different place. Mm -hmm. The systems that we create will be extremely different than what we have right now. And it's our job, it's our generation that has to be the pioneers of that movement. And we need to work together with the older generations who for them it's harder to let go of their way of doing things mm -hmm. and a lot of people have been speculating that that could create a generational war but that's not what we want 
We want to work with the other generations. We want to work with the, the wisers, the wiser people. And that's why we have to take care of the wise, the, the elderly. We have to recognize their wisdom and take in their knowledge. That's why you and me, we interview people that are much older than us because they can offer us a lot of value. Mm-hmm. And we also have our own wisdom. Our generation is came to the it, it came to this planet with a different chip. That's that's literally what I believe, and we're here to help heal this planet. So calling upon and collaborating with other people, like-minded light workers, we could say, is going to start creating movements, and it's going to start. Mm-hmm. We're going to start seeing many things change. It's already creating movements. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and right now we're at a we're at a point where so many paradigms are being uh, torn apart mm-hmm. and so many systems we have to adapt we have to be resilient in this time and are we going to be operating through fear or are we going to be operating through love mm-hmm. there's no in between it's it's love or fear we mm-hmm. can go on social media the news and get all this fear that's being fed into us and then we operate mm-hmm. through that state of being but why would we do that? Like we're, we're already, we're already afraid of the things in our own life. Mm-hmm. Now we have to operate in, in a state of fear of, Oh, I can't touch, talk to this person or else they're going to transmit to me a disease that's going to kill me. That's fear. You yeah. know, that's fear. And that's what, the, that's what the news they tell you. Like, this is, these are the numbers and all this and that, and they're creating this, I'm not saying like I, I'm I'm a very objective person, but it's also a paradigm. Like they're creating <laughs> a story for you, like of fear. And of course, we have to take care of ourselves. We have to stay at our healthiest state. We have to control our stress because when you are, when you're stressed, your immune system is lower. Do your exercise. Take care of your heart rate. Take care of all of these cardiovascular systems, digestion, all this, and you'll be fine. But we can't keep operating through this fear. It's not going to take us anywhere. Exactly. And this is... particularly relevant to this context of the pandemic that we're living, right? Um, Just realizing that one thing is objectively understanding what might be dangerous uh, for you, right? And then the other thing, feeling fearful, because that's very different, right? Mm-hmm. So it's what you said. You can wear a mask because yeah, while you're yeah, protecting be, be yourself cautious. and you're protecting others, uh-huh. you can be conscious, but uh, cautious, but you can also take care of your body and do your exercise, right? Mm-hmm. But then that is completely different than living in that fear, right? And keep checking the news constantly and just living in that state of fear. And I wanted to, like, going back to this, <laughs> to this um, global <laughs> yeah. discussion that we were having about um, light and the light workers. I think the challenge now, or not the challenge, I think that my, my life's purpose now is to remind myself, and because I remind, my, remind myself, remind others that this is not while we're recording a podcast or while we're meditating. This is all the time. 
literally. And this is how it will happen, right? If we want that shift, if we want to bring light into this world, we need to be intentional with this routine, with this asking, why are we doing, with aligning what we're doing professional with what we think it's right, right? But it's also how, and you were, you were, uh, you were, talking a, a lot lately about collaboration and I was listening to your um, episode with John Gray. Oh, shit. <laughs> yes. Well, I still have to finish, but I, I listened to this part that he was sharing that it all starts, uh, it all begins with the masculine and the feminine, right? Yes. So how do you deal with a person that you have home, right? And even if you don't have a partner, even if you're gay or a lesbian or whatever, it's about personal relationships right mm -hmm. because if you go on in your life if you have a job and you continue to criticize the people around you right then you're not operating in that light right you're not uh, recognizing the humanity in the other and only when we recognize our shared humanity or shared essence and we recognize that in nature as well right and in everything we do we try to be um mindful and intentional i think this is ultimately how we'll manifest this at a collective level and make this happen right make that consciousness mm -hmm. shift yeah um so let's wrap this up <laughs> one thing i, I would have, add is that one thing that me. i love about podcasts is that it's it's a medium where i've used it as a tool for my personal growth and I know the importance of surrounding myself with inspiration, mm. quality knowledge, things that I'm curious about. And when I'm listening to a podcast that we, we're, we've, we've been going in deep, I often find myself in a very self-reflective state when I'm listening to a podcast. So I would invite anyone to, that's listening to this to really reflect on their own life and see what parts of themselves that they want to heal, that they want to improve and how they can start creating that, that life that they want, that they desire through a place of love, of abundance, of joy, of passion, through positive states of being. Raise your frequency. Mm -hmm. Well, and my last question is, Emilio, mm -hmm. <laughs> how do you make sure you're not sleepwalking through your waking state? How do you keep yourself in check when you feel like you're not in the frequency that you would like to be? It's, it happens a lot. When, mm -hmm. like, if I'm honest with you, it's not all, like, rainbows and, and fairies and shit. It's, it's real. This is life. Like we, we will face challenge. We will face adversities. Um, we're going to face situations that are not going to go our way. And the best way to deal with it, I would say, is self-awareness and cultivating a space for yourself. It could be it could be a, a place in your house. It could be a park. It could be with a certain person. But do something that reminds you of who you are internally, your essence, not who Carlota is, not who Emilio is, not who whatever your name is. That's, that's also an identity. That's a movie that you've played out. You've added all these labels to yourself. I'm a podcaster. I'm a student at IE. 
you know, um, we add all these labels. I'm a man, I'm a woman. I'm a woman, yeah, whatever. When you take away all of that, just get rid of labels. And it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. But when we identify more and more with our labels, our name, our body, our whatever, our accomplishments, then that's when we can lose ourselves in our waking state. It's when you wake up in your reality, it's when you become the observer of it. Not just going through the motions and playing a part and, you know, having to do this, that. That's all cool. Like the universe created this experience, this body, this vehicle for us to experience all these things. But who you are as an observer is the voice that you have to tap into in a meditation while you're playing a sport while you're in a flow state you release that that ego a bit while you're taking psychedelics while you know all these things it it depends you can use different mediums you can use different tools to explore your internal self your true authentic self and when you when you really start to tap into that and wake up to it and become the observer, even if it's for just 20 minutes of your day during a meditation and you're observing your thoughts, you're observing life, you're observing, you're not just reacting to life. Like for example, if you're having a conversation with someone, you're not just listening to them to react to what you wanna say next. It's you're truly there, you're present. You wanna listen to that person Mm -hmm. and observe what they're truly saying. Like, what is their core saying? Not what words, if they're using intricate vocabulary and using these words that are confusing or whatever. It's what, what is their energy? What is their essence? What are they, why are they here in my life? Why are they trying to, what are they trying to teach me? Mm. And if you see everything like that, what, what is this experience trying to teach me? Um, then that's when you can start waking up and being more aware is you become more conscious. It's, it's a state of being that we all have access to. We're all, I mean, we all have the tools. We all have the internal technology to reveal that and use it in our life. And that, that's, that's basically what it is. Return to your essence. Return to a frequency that allows you to be at your best state always. Shit. <laughs> Thank you, Emilio. Thank you. If this conversation or part of this conversation moved you in some way, please share it with someone you love who might benefit from it. If you want to keep updated on future episodes, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast on your podcast app. In case you're curious about some of the reference made throughout the episode or want to find our guest on social media, check out the links on the description of this episode. Last but not least, thank you for listening and connecting. See you in two weeks. Bye!